in this world, I these senior teams that I'm talking with, they've taken on everything. They've loaded themselves up and they're coming to the point they're well, this isn't they're realizing it's not sustainable. And I'm seeing a real shift of this realization they've got to engage and give more trust and responsibility to the next level of uh, managers in the business. Welcome back to The Map and the Territory. This week, I sit down for a conversation with Murray Wright. Murray is an executive coach, he's a facilitator, and somebody with a wealth of experience in the field of leadership development. He describes his work as helping people to create a different story, to connect with their purpose, have a positive impact on lives and results. I first met Murray when I was introduced to him as a guest on his podcast, uh, the Leadership Moments podcast. So if you're interested, you can always dive into Murray's back catalogue and give that a listen. But in this conversation today, we discuss the current global crisis as a catalyst for a different type of emerging conversation about leadership and leadership development. We discuss creating spaces for conversations and dialogue to emerge. We touch on the need for counting and acknowledging success amongst many, many other things. And before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to acknowledge our sponsor, Leaders for Good. If you're looking to create more positive impact, if you're looking to leave a legacy you're proud of, if you're looking to maybe pivot your business in a way that better serves people and planet and not just profit, but perhaps you don't know where to start, then check out Leaders for Good at leadersforgood.org. So without further ado, I bring you this conversation with Murray Wright. Okay, so starting the recording round round two um, after two. some <laughs> take two after some some technical technical faux pas at the uh, the start of the podcast. We've got two semi professional podcasters here, and uh, <laughs> we've we've had more audio hiccups trying to get this going than than uh, usual. So we're off to off to a good start. Uh, Murray, how are you going? I'm good, thanks, Phil. How about you? I'm well, I'm well. Um, it's a beautiful day here in Sydney from what I've seen of it from inside of my, uh, inside of my, my, my bunker. Uh, <laughs> um, so just a bit of context for you, the, the listener. Murray and I, um, a little while ago, I was introduced to Murray by a mutual friend who thought I might be, a, might be an entertaining guest on Murray's podcast. So I think our first interaction was over um, me coming on Leadership Moments, which I uh, highly encourage all of you to, uh, to check out. It's a yeah, fantastic podcast. Um, you, did you have um, um, uh, MBA, Michael uh, Bonnier-Sanya from uh, on? I did, I did. He, he was on a few weeks ago. It was great. He was talking about the advice trap. He's got a new book, The Advice mm. Trap. So he kindly agreed to come on. And we had a chat about that and some, some other stuff, actually. It was a really good, um, really good chat with him. If anyone mm. hasn't listened to it, they should. It's worth the listen. 
yeah, I highly recommend checking it out. And um, was that when he was in? Because I saw, I think I saw he was in Sydney as well. So did you get him while he was uh, while he was quarantined in a hotel room for two weeks? No, I, he was oh. in Canada when I spoke to him. Oh, I, I half thought about tapping him on the shoulder and trying to get him on this podcast because I saw I saw that he was in quarantine in Sydney. I was like, I bet he's got uh, nothing to. I bet, I bet he's got nothing to do. I bet I could. <laughs> I bet I could snag I don't him know as a guest. He would have nothing to do. I think. He, no, he true. Would keep actually, yeah. Busy. He 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 does seem like a very in demand man. I think that's I think that's absolutely yeah. true. Um, so, um, Murray, I'll have given you a given you a brief uh, bio at the top of this episode, but um, the standard sort of barbecue question. Um, you know, what do you what do you do for a living? How do you uh, how do you respond to that when somebody floats that corker at you? <laughs> Yeah, I have. What do I do for a living? Well, I always say I've got two parts to my business. My my background is actually hotel management. Uh, I used to work uh, around the world in hotels, mm. uh, and then came to Australia over twenty years ago and moved into ho- education and hotels here before moving into coaching. So I actually mm. still consult to hotel owners which uh, keeps my hand in in terms of obviously hospitality but i think more uh, keeps my hand in and myself connected to the business side of things being part uh, being involved in business Mm. and and strategy etc but then the other side is i really work with leaders coaching leaders and their teams to really help them connect with their potential and perform better. Mm. I didn't know you. I didn't know your background. It's funny you, you speak to any anybody involved in the the sort of human development, coaching, leadership um, world, and there's always a uh, well, almost always a life before. No one, no one comes out of the box as a uh, as a as a as an exec coach or a leadership developer. Yeah. You know, again, my background once upon a time in you know digital marketing and and strategy and transformation and whatnot. Um, uh, yeah, that industry's been hit especially hard in in recent times have you been have you been in contact with anybody what's the um what's the kind I have, of I have. Ear, ear to the ground in, there yeah listen in australia it's it's tough particularly for the big city hotels whilst they have uh, some level of quarantine business uh, obviously they don't have the international travel traveler and there's limitations on domestic corporate travel and domestic leisure travel. And the domestic leisure travel there is, is not too keen in going into a big city if they're able to. Mm. So they're suffering. Um, I think relative to other places in the world, we're not too badly here because ultimately, believe it or not, 80% of the market, or around about 80% of the overall uh, hotel market, accommodation market in Australia is actually domestic business. So whenever restrictions can be eased a bit more and we start interstate travel, there's great prospects here for a bounce back, particularly in regional Australia, which has already started to a certain extent in in specific regions. Obviously, Victoria is a different story at the moment, Mm. but there's great potential. And add to that the fact that all the Australians who would normally travel overseas uh, will not be. So they hopefully, and you see the campaigns already starting to get them to travel domestically. Mm. Um, so it's very tough. But if you, I've, I've talked to people in different parts of the world, you talk to someone in Thailand where they've got very little domestic market. 
mm. and no international travel. Um, mm. Whereas here it's hard, but there's there's prospects of getting through it. Over there, they're, the hotel managers, it's pretty bleak for them. Mm. And I guess that kind of leads on neatly to a couple of the couple of the sort of pre-podcast topics that we were that we were discussing that we might that we might get into today, and the subject of how leaders are experiencing the the the, the world mm-hmm. as we know it at the moment, and how that has changed in uh, you know how that has changed in recent months. Um, reflecting on well you can reflect on the on the travel industry specifically or or leadership more broadly what are you noticing has shifted and i want to steer away from uh and this might be leading us down a a garden path and and shaping (laughs) shaping the conversation too much but you know the obvious points i think have been covered to death you know times are tough and you know difficult decisions have to be made in certain contexts but um, is there anything that's kind of uh, under the cover uh, and a bit more, um, a, a bit more, you know, that's flying under the radar that you're noticing with leaders at the moment? Um, I think what's in the first instance, obviously, everyone has had that rush of adrenaline in crisis mode, and they've got in there, pulled their teams together, and they've actually done overall very well. Mm. They've shifted the way they're doing business. They've shifted their whole mindset about it and managed through it. And I think that's any business. You know, hotels have obviously had to manage through that with reduced resources and reduced levels of income. There's other people I've been working with in government who've had their workload has increased dramatically. Um, So they've, you know, but that adds the pressure on them in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other organizations, finance, et cetera, where actually it's been a great time for certain parts of that industry. But again, everyone's had to make this shift and transition to working in a different way. Mm. In terms of major shifts in leadership and teams, I don't know if the major shift has happened or is finished. I think mm. it's almost unfolding as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I and I can't tell you when it will stop, but you, so everyone's changed. They've gone into that crisis mode and changed the way they operate. I think now they're realizing that, wait a minute, this working from home, this virtual world, it was fun. It's good. And we've managed, but it's not perfect. I think people are starting to find the relationships are strained and they're different. So the anecdotal, not the anecdotal, but the discussions you're having with teams as well. Yeah, we're on, we're on Zoom and we're, we're doing so much more of Zoom to make up for the regular communication we miss in the office. But the Zoom communication is all business. Mm, mm, mm. So there's very little time for the relationships. Um, so relationships are, having, are changing and I think have to be reestablished at some point. Um, but I don't know. I don't know when that's going to happen. People are starting now to be more aware of it. They're starting to, instead of having a Zoom call about actual business, they're starting just to have a Zoom call about how are we going as a team. 
so much of trust is built up around the water cooler and not necessarily yes. in the in the actual you know mechanistic Correct. interactions of doing business and we we miss out on just that that volume you know and if trust is consistency over time um, and I can rely on you to behave in a certain way because I've seen you do it time after time after time in lots of different contexts um, we're just not getting the reps in so to speak to build to build trust in a, in a sort of expedient fashion so what I've noticed in the feedback I've had from people is existing relationships that were already strong um, remain so and you know you can tap into a, an old you can tap into a zoom conversation and, and it's akin to sort of picking up the phone to your old friend who you haven't seen for um, you know a couple of years and the the conversation picks up where it left off um, but building new relationships I think is where the where the where the meat of the challenge lies I guess yeah I think also what I'm starting to see as well so it's some Parts of teams are able to come back into the office, but there's another parts that remain remote. And that, so the people who are remote are missing out. Mm. So there's an imbalance coming into the dynamic there as well. Uh, and I think the other point there is that um, in terms of what's emerging or the shifting is in this world, I think, these senior teams that I'm talking with, they've taken on everything. They've loaded themselves up and they're coming to the point they're, well, this isn't, they're realizing it's not sustainable. Mm. And I'm seeing a real shift of this realization. They've got to engage and give more trust and responsibility to the next level of uh, managers in the business. Mm. Uh, mm. They're not quite sure how to do that. That's difficult for them. It, it it is uh, a couple of things that popped up for me there as you were talking. So the 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 building of in groups and out groups and and if this is now in the office versus out the office and and this has been a challenge for distributed teams for a while now. You know if you've mm. if you've got a you know a handful of people working remotely and then the you know the the center of gravity sits in an office. Um, I guess that's just being amplified. But it reminds me of the you know the the kind of the the boys club or the smoking group who you know had had their you know their in group and if you weren't part of that club you missed out on a lot of opportunities or. Uh, a lot of relationship building um and this tension i think and, and we've we've all felt it in our work i think as coaches and 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 in the world of leadership development you know we especially in the early days of covid um you know we, we've we've discussed this with our with our kind of mutual friends and colleagues that we all suffered a bit of a, a bit of a a withdrawal and a downturn in our in our busyness and now what i'm seeing is this tension in business between doing what's necessary and investing in um, investing in development of their people, investing in uh, the kind of uh, skills, capacities and capabilities in the development of that, that maybe the next generation of leaders um, will need in an organization and, and simply business survival in the short term, you know, the, it was for businesses that have been impacted um, revenues are down, you know, if they've asked people to, um, you know, the comment I've heard time and time again, it's like, we'd love to, we'd love to do that program, but I can't spend X thousand dollars on that when I've got most of my workforce on 80%, 60% of their, their wage, you know, how, how could I, how could I look them in the eye and do that? Um, are you, are you seeing similar things yourself there, Murray? Um, 
No, I, I mm. well, maybe I'm not having the same uh, sales conversation as you, as you feel. Um, what I'm finding now, people are getting to the point where they're starting to realize they've got to do something. Mm. And and it that and what the conversation I'm having with them is, um, yes, they want to develop that next level of leaders. They want to develop themselves as a team. And what I'm saying to them is there's no better time than now during the crisis because this is the best learning you will have. And you can mm. take them and say, look at what you've achieved and learned over the last six months. That is way more, and I'm sorry for people who are trying to sell in leadership development programs, that mm. is more powerful, more impactful than any leadership development program. Mm. So actually, you can do it relatively cost-effectively by creating a space for these teams to reflect and then get them to reflect on how can they almost be the coaches to the next level to, as they work through this crisis, use that and what they're doing in daily business tasks as a way to learn. Mm. And that would be more valuable than any leadership development program as in the old style of sit in a room for a day and watch powerpoints and learn new models yeah true um the old adage that smooth seas don't make a skilled sailor um i think holds yeah. true here I, it's the reason i stayed in a in a previous role for well, probably longer than i should do but it was an in embattled company that was trying to you know trying to sort of write itself and yeah. I found I found the challenge fascinating, and my growth and development was um, was accelerated because because the challenge was real, and it wasn't coasting along on, you know, um, a cushion of success. Um, so, is is in that instance is is your um, is how you work with a team, providing them a, a kind of common ground or a language or a frame in which to to absorb and 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 kind of reflect on those learnings. What what does what it's does interesting. Like? I, I suppose I'm experimenting a little bit. I. I did, um, I did some work with a team, a, a catch-up, a few weeks ago. And I did the regular way I would do it with quite a bit of process. And, you know, splitting into smaller groups and talking. Mm. And this was virtually. And, when, and it was okay. It, was, it got them thinking and everything. But when I reflected on it, my structure really got in the way of the conversations. Mm. Mm. So... I, the next team session I did, admittedly with more time, but actually I just created a space for the team to have a dialogue. And I, I encouraged and sh would, I don't know if shape's the right word, but I, I got the dialogue going and kept it going by asking questions at different times to help them get different perspectives and just, learn from what they were saying mm. and at the end of that day there was actually no real specific outcomes but what they had collectively was a massive shift in their mindset mm. and the majority of them really enjoyed it because they weren't focused on a structure they weren't focused on outcomes but that collective learning lays the foundation and the shift to, to learn and talk about what they've done and learn from it, but then talk about where do they need to go next and work it out together in the conversation. Hmm. So the, I'm doing more of that work and I find it actually um, 
yeah, I just find it more impactful. I'd agree. And there's, there's probably, and, and tell me if this is true in your experience working that way, that there's a, there's probably more of a hunger for, for that kind of, um, that kind of dialogue and that kind of, it, it sounds more like group coaching than, um, than like you say, a sort of facilitated step-by-step framework or process. Absolutely. Yeah. It's team coaching. And I, th- I think the, the power of it is you, is the dialogue. And through the dialogue, the team works out itself where it needs to go. And that's part of the growth of the team. And, and in that dialogue, as a coach, you can see the team dynamics and you can ask questions about what's happening in those different moments and get the team to be aware of it. Uh, whereas when in the past, when I, I put a structure and we got to do A, we got to do B, we got to do C. Mm. Well, we do all that, but the team aren't actually having the important conversations. Mm. And have you noticed any shift in the dynamic within those leadership teams? So you you know if you're working with a with an intact team that was kind of you know in, embedded pre you know pre COVID and they're, they're now they're through the they're through the reactivity phase and they're into okay the and, and going back to something you said earlier the the evolving um, the the phrase new normal always bothered me because it. it sort of framed it as if it was okay we've moved from a to b and now we're at b um as opposed to what is as you pointed out actually true which is where we're continuing to see where this goes and you know the yeah. the, the reality of like we're all going to work from home and everything's fine and it's fine <laughs> which uh you know wasn't the That's case not, not um but yeah, what's the what's the sort of shift in I guess self identity for a leadership team? Would that be a would that be a fair way to frame it? It's a hard one. I, I'm just thinking every team's different. Every context is different. They've been through different things. Um, I mean, certainly, I worked with a team yesterday. In fact, and. This process, the whole engagement with them had started pre-COVID with uh, a plan and a process. And, in, you know, we did the usual team interviews, diagnostic, and then COVID hit. And we had to then do a few interactions virtually. And then yesterday I was able to do face-to-face. And I'm guessing that team was completely transformed by COVID to a much higher level of functioning and unity because they were forced to with the crisis and when you talk to them and say well what's different well we just actually got things done now and we mm. trusted one another mm. so the they they basically didn't have time to worry if someone was going to do it everyone knew they had to just do it and they are not a very um structured process driven type of team but actually they spent a lot of time and effort to put that in place because they knew they had to. Um, so that's an example of a team that's been transformed by it. Mm. Uh, another team I worked with, well, again, they, they actually had, they'd gone through, in a hotel team now, they'd gone through the, the trauma of bushfires mm. and then, uh, and people forget that there's a lot of teams around the country have been through the bushfires. They were just look, coming out of that and then they were hit by COVID so they went through that and they did, again, a fantastic job and I think certainly strengthened. Again, they get to this point where they realize they, they've got a limit to their capacity and they have to start engaging more 
with the people around them and communicating more. Uh, that and I think that would be the trend I just see in the teams. They, they're mm. they're realizing if they really want to achieve what they want to do, uh, they need to start engaging that next level and find a way to do it. Have you had any recent experience uh, in in light of the uh, in light of the changed context with with teams that were coming into this uh, sort of severely dysfunctional? So. I can I can kind of see a, a getting on with it and a galvanizing with a with a team where you know there's trust and psychological safety as the as the foundation and that's already there, um, but it, you know where where that's where that's broken and fractured and fragmented. My intuition and I haven't had recent experience of this. My intuition is that the, the situation like this would would pull, pull, potentially pull the team further apart. Or I, I'm just wondering if you've had any. I haven't experienced that, Phil. Uh, yeah. As I say, that, that team where we'd started the process pre-COVID, I would have guessed there was some level of they needed some work, they needed to work together. And I think the COVID experiences just accelerated that and they've come out of it stronger. Mm. I think what my role now is to really make sure that they understand what has brought them together and what's made it successful and set them up so they continue that success. Because there's a danger that people think, well, that was easy, we've done it, look. But it's how can teams sustain that on an ongoing basis? One of the things I'm doing with the teams, and I think more people I talk to, the more they, people realize they need that pause. So I think the first thing to do is just stop, take a step back. And, you know, before the, doing, the team does that, I think the leader, the team leader, it's really useful to stop and take a step back and just have a reflection on what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think people have to understand and look at what they've achieved because I'm sure the teams will have done great. Yeah, sure, there'll be a whole lot of stuff that hasn't gone well, but they've probably managed really well and got through this, even if it's a dysfunctional team, that they're still together and functioning on some level is an achievement and they Mm. should acknowledge themselves for that. Mm. I think the other piece in this is to understand the physiological side of operating under stress for such sustained periods and the impact Mm. it has on your ability to think straight and process information. Because people don't. Mm. One team, they go, oh, we were all together at the beginning and now we're starting to go into our own little silos and yet they're going into that defensive mode, which is Mm. perfectly natural. So Mm. people have to understand what's going on for them, give themselves a bit of space to breathe and just connect to themselves, but then connect to one another and just acknowledge what they have done and start having a chat and processing processing um, what they've been through because there's a change a change piece in this I was talking with an associate we've developed a little team reset program and the first part is regroup and the regroup is just to talk about what's been going on it's to process the ch- the change because people have been through significant change so where are you on the you know where they talk about the change curve where are you are you resisting have you accepted are you exploring but just have an honest discussion about where you are and what it's what you've struggled with, what's been difficult, and share it. And I think that, to me, will settle a lot of 
I don't know, it'll just settle things. And then from there, people can start to look ahead. But if you try and look ahead before looking back, it might be quite hard. Does trauma and the concept of trauma kind of factor into this? Um, you know, especially for and speaking to a few people I know and a couple of people I've coached, they've had to, um, you know, they've had to let go and furlough good numbers of people and, it's been genuinely uh, a traumatic experience for them. Um, and I'm wondering, yeah, what's, what's your, what's your kind of view on, on that framing and how you, how you think about, how you think about the notion of trauma in this? There's certainly, it has been traumatic and difficult for people. And I think on a one-on-one basis, there is a piece about, uh, again, helping people process that because people can be very hard on themselves and they forget they've had to do that for others to survive and sustain. So, mm. um, yeah, and different people have different ways of managing that. And mm. a coach will help and you can have different ways of helping process, process that you can go so far. But then there's also times where people need to get more uh, professional help for mm. that, mm. where it's more ingrained. And and I, the notion of grief as well falls under the under the sort of under a similar similar banner. And I was I was talking about that with um, with our, our mutual friend Des Doyle, um, and in relation to to, to COVID nineteen because it, it's not it's not the loss of and some people are in the obviously uh, horrible situation of, of losing somebody to you know to death, but we've we've all lost um, freedom, we've all lost liberty, we've all lost some 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 sense of uh, that what was has been um, has been removed from us um, and people are experiencing that in in very different ways and um, is there a, is there any sort of specific way you you address that with with individuals or teams or is it or does it bubble up more generally in in kind of the individual um, you know manifestation? Well, I think again, talking about change and grief is part of that as well. Absolutely. It's, you've, I mean, I've had it myself. <laughs> Some days I'm really cheesed off about the whole bloody thing. I've lost the way I was working and mm. some of the choices I have. And it's, it's been a roller coaster. And, and yeah, I think grief is part of that. I think that what I described that regroup, just having people talk about it is part of that. Mm. Uh, whether you want to call it grief, whether you want to call it change, whether you call it trauma, it's people just sharing and being able to talk and to collectively in that conversation start processing and hearing others let and be heard as well. Mm. And from there just agree, or not agree, but from there just be accepting of where they are and it's part of the process. Mm. Um, putting your forecasting hat on what do you see emerging in the coming months and years what do you see some of the the, the challenges we'll be addressing sort of individually and collectively and how are you thinking about speaking to those so i think for business leaders, team leaders within businesses. Obviously, there's a lot of government support at the moment. That's going to stop at some point. Mm. And then there will be some real hard decisions to make. So there's been a first round of redundancies, layoffs. Um, The business reality will bite home at some point, and there's going to be another round. 
and I think that's going to be at all levels. Mm. Um, and so that's people are that's going to be tough on leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can I can't really forecast better than anyone. We don't know what's happening next week. Never mind next year. Sure. And obviously, it, you know, if I talk from the hotel space, there, there's going to be some businesses that will do very well out of this. But having said that, to do very well, they're going to have to, and I, I know people are fed up with the term, but they're going to have to pivot in some respects because everything has changed, everything in terms of customers' expectations. So they're going to have to really shift to meet new expectations post-COVID. And mm-hmm. I think you know, part of that, people are talking about, they call, I think they're calling it the um, hyper-local they want things to be local. They, mm. they, the whole um, environmental piece, well-being piece, all has to be in, included in what people are doing. And if you try and just open up as you were, it won't cut it. So people are going to have to innovate and really work hard to attract the market that's there. And I think that I'm talking hospitality, hotels, food and beverage, but I think that would be any industry. Mm. The, uh, and in terms of leaders and whatnot, they're, they're just going to have to use what they've learned in the last six months about being able to evolve, adapt, and change quickly. They're going to have to keep refining those skills and doing it again and again, I think, to stay ahead of things. Teams and leaders, they've had to uh, delegate a bit more. I've teams have taken on more themselves, but they've had other people, other levels step up and do a lot more Mm. and have been given the opportunity to show what they can do. I think leaders and the teams have to be careful not to snap back to the old ways and cut those people off. This connects a bit to what I'm saying. Teams are realizing they have to connect with and engage the next level. Mm. But mm. the worst thing a team can do is, or a leader can do is, well, thank you, crisis is over, inverted commas. Crisis is over. Uh, don't need you anymore. Go back to your regular stuff. So I think there's going to be a battle to keep uh, those people engaged and activated. But that's the great potential for the organization and any business is to mm. use what they can do and give them more opportunity to show what they can do and take the pressure off the senior team as well. Mm. And it's the the leaders supporting leaders and the people supporting them. Um, the, the 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 kind of the the checking in and the the making sure teams were okay and individuals were okay was was there was a there was a, a cresting wave of that early yes. on in COVID yeah. and you know it was uh, there was a lot of are you okay there was a lot of compassion there was a lot of care and then um, you know a month down the track it became okay we're all good now aren't we I don't need to do that we're anymore all good now. and uh, yeah. No, this- <laughs> You want me the numbers? Yes, exactly, exactly. And and that piece also, just for that next level, that goes back to what we were saying about leadership development. That is going mm. to be true leadership development. Mm. Getting them mm. engaged and getting them working on stuff they haven't done before. Let them fail if need be, but that's how they will learn and grow and be engaged. And that learning and growth, um, one thing that just occurred to me is the lack of um, opportunities for modeling and role modeling. So uh, the next kind of, you know, the emerging leaders, um, 
being brought into situations and being able to see experienced operators in action, mm-hmm. how they are, how they, how they interact with people um, in the, in the same way that the, the, the kind of the building of trust in those micro moments of trust are not, are not there and present. Um, the, the role modeling opportunities are not as visible because a lot of conversations are happening like this conversation now with, you know, one-on-one via a, via yeah. a video app. Um, and I think that's going to be a real, um, uh, again, th- this all depends on the time horizon this plays out onto, you know, if we, if we get a handle on this in the next six months, there'll be a, there'll be a kind of, it'll be seen as a, a sort of historical blip. And, and I don't think it'll be um, the, the yeah. sort of, you know, the new normal everyone's anticipating, but who knows? Well, it's interesting. It's already happening. I was reading a piece about the working from home and, mm how companies are starting to see the downsides of it. And that one of them is exactly what you said. And I think they were talking about architects. So the junior architect would normally do up a drawing or document and take it to a senior architect who would review it with them. And in sitting with the senior architect, as they reviewed it, they would learn Mm. and understand how to do it. So what happens now, they email it. And the architect, the senior architect just does it and sends it back. So there's no uh, sharing of knowledge and passing down of the knowledge. Mm. But you say going forward, how long? Going forward, the companies have got, they're doing internal staff surveys. Where do you want to work? From home or do you want to work in the office? So it will be different. Mm. Mm. It will. I think this will be a thing blended. It's going to be this blend and it's the, People have to watch in that blend, an old phrase, but they've got to watch they don't throw out the baby with the bathwater because Mm. uh, I think the value of being in the office with people is that people are starting to realize they've maybe uh, undervalued that, underappreciated what it does give. Mm. And I think just the tenor of business might change as well. So to use another aquatic metaphor, you know, we – we saw the businesses that were, you know, when the tide goes out, you see who's been swimming without, without trunks. And we, we saw the businesses that were drastically overextended that couldn't go a week without uh, cash flow come a cropper very, very quickly when, when COVID hit. And I think at least in the, you know, in the, in the medium to near term, there'll be a lot more conservatism when it comes to, um, comes to how businesses see growth and how they overreach potentially for growth um, and the impact, the cultural impact that will have. Um, I'm, I'm choosing to take a positive kind of look on that from a sustainability perspective. I'm, I'm, I've always been more of a fan of sort of measured, intentional, sustainable growth within organizations than this clamor for hyper growth to satisfy some, mm-hmm. some, some shareholders. Um, and I think, I think that gives me hope that I think that's a, I think that's a hopeful thing about how businesses potentially choose to operate um, going forwards that we'll see um, less kind of precariously, precariously operated um, organizations in terms of just, just their, their standing and their ability to, to, to weather a shock. Um, yeah. I th- well, we had great hopes after the GFC, but they haven't necessarily mm. been fulfilled either. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, very, very good point. Very good point. <laughs> I think uh, a big part of this for businesses is going to be how they define themselves and stay relevant. Mm. The danger will be that they go back to operating 
as they were, what was the normal. Mm. And they will probably get by with that for 12 to 18 months, but then they will disappear pretty quickly. And I think I've a good um, a colleague I know is really up in the this, this strategy stuff. He talks about the studies show that after the GFC, businesses didn't go bust immediately after. Mm, the mm. big drop-off in businesses was 12 to 18 months after, and it was the businesses who did not adjust their business model, did not adjust the whatever they were doing to the market and the change market. Mm. They struggled on, got by, but then, boom, they were just irrelevant. So I think as leaders and teams work, they've got to have a real... I talk about connecting to their stakeholders, connecting to the people around them and understand what it is they really need from mm. them. Because mm. if you keep operating in your own, what we would now call your own little bubble and start just get caught up in your own thinking without really being aware of what's going on and the changes, because all your customers have changed, all your whatever stakeholder you've got, their needs have changed. And if you're not across that and adjusting to that, then you will struggle. Mm -hmm. But it will be a slow and painful death. And I'm wondering if it will be, that will be stilted as well, because at least in the, 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 the GFC, um, there was a, there was still the opportunity for a coming together and a, and a sharing of wisdom and a sharing of intelligence. And, you know the, the the room the round tables the 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 room the, the the connection at networking events and the the like i'm seeing this you seeing this and and just the yeah. bubbling up of industry wisdom uh, and the sh- and the dissemination of that is not necessarily happening in the same way um i think the the conversations that happen in a in a room over a over a beer at a bar at a, a, a symposium uh, are a lot more frank and a lot more, um, uh, you know, potentially opening the kimono, so to speak. Whereas I think the the nature of communication online has us all communicating in a slightly more cautious way um, because I think there's a we're putting things out into the world. You know, you and I are having a conversation on a podcast now. Well, to be honest, this isn't much different than the conversations you and I would have uh, normally. But, um, you know, there are things that people won't say on a podcast. There are things that people won't say in a public forum, uh, you know, in a, even if it's, you know, Chatham House rules in a, a, an event, yeah. because it's because there's a little record symbol blinking up in the corner yeah. there. Um, and I'm not necessarily, this isn't necessarily unfolding into a question, but more of an observation that, perhaps that's going to be a factor in, 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 I guess, stunting how businesses potentially the wisdom of how businesses respond. Yeah. I think it's a good point. I think generally how do people stay connected to their customers? Because particularly if, if you've got a point of contact in an organization and that person leaves, well, in the old days you would visit them Mm. And build that relationship face to face. Now it's got to have to be done virtually. So it's a different ball game, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Murray, conscious of time, and I wanted to, um, I wanted to have an opportunity to sort of get to know or get let the audience get to know you um, a little better as uh, you know, as, as Murray Wright, the the myth, the man, the legend. Um, <laughs> so if uh, if I may, kind of lean into a few of our rapid fire questions and and the yep. questions. The questions are rapid fire. Your, your answers certainly don't have to be. Um, but 
outside of this this world of leadership development and and coaching what do you what do you obsess about what are you interested in on weekends i've already learned a little bit about your professional history on <laughs> on this call i didn't know weekend, before but. yes yes well weekends it's actually interesting i spring is in the air you can smell it and feel it it's wonderful mm. i was in the mm. garden last weekend and uh, that was so uh, therapeutic to spend a good 3 4 hours literally just pulling weeds but it's still good um mm. so in the better weather i'm pretty into the garden beautiful and actually i thought i'd share a story it was it did me good a few weeks ago i was because like everyone through covid we've had our ups and downs and mm. you wonder sometimes what you're doing and the value of it and i was up one part of the garden which used to be just total bamboo and it's a very i've got a like a, it's almost like cliff face i have to climb to get up there and it took me about five years to clear that bamboo. I've eventually got round to it. I've been planting native plants up there. But it's been a struggle. But I went up this day and one of the grevilleas I'd planted was flowering and there was some other positive signs in there. And I thought, well, it's a good reminder. We've just got to keep working our way at it, doing the fundamentals, and it will flower one day. So that, to be mm. honest, that really helped me. It kept me going. So my garden is my go-to. Outside of that, I'll be watching YouTube videos of four-wheel drivers and creating my, adding to my list of my wish list of things I want to buy for my my car, my four-wheel drive. Nice, cool. Actually, Do you go be, talking off, before talking off road with off you road. today? Yeah, off-road. Yeah, not, nice. Not not severe, severe, but go a bit off-road. I've equipped and did my training and everything. So before. Joining the call today, I've been packing the car. We're going away for a long weekend just to get out away from it all. Beautiful. Practice what I preach. Take a break. Nice. That's awesome. I'm I'm planning to do similar this weekend. Not not we're not going away anywhere just because we've got three month old um, little baby in the house. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, we're we're kind of fixed, but that, that's okay. But certainly stepping away from the uh, stepping away from the screens for a weekend uh, would be uh, would be a welcome break. Yeah. Um, and, and and what are you what are you reading or listening to? Do you audio audio book man or a physical book man? What's your no what's physical your book? Um, couple of things. I've just started reading Why We Sleep. Mm, great book. It is. I'm really. I'm sleeping better already. Just understanding. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I, uh, just reading it, I sleep better. So it's really interesting, fascinating to understand mm. the, the, how the brain works and the whole reason why we sleep and how it serves us. So that's good. Mm. And the other book I'm reading is um, coaching the team at work, David Clutterbuck. Okay. Fantastic. Is, uh, yeah, great, great, really practical book, full of simple ideas and things you can do and bring into practice whether you're a team leader or a team coach great i'll check that out um while we sleep's great and, and going back to the point you made earlier about the um the the, the kind of physical side of um, of of this um it, it really drives home how much of a factor sleep <laughs> sleep is on our um well-being yeah. our performance and our capacity to to, to to kind of be there for other people um 
any professional development so you know coaches and and people in this world are sort of famously uh famously ravenous for professional development um is there any training anybody you'd, you'd like to study under or any kind of anything you'd you'd kind of that's on your wish list that you'd really like to get into or or are you um are you fairly sanguine about that uh, two two levels one level i think I've done quite a bit of professional development courses and I think mm -hmm. we've got to be careful. We don't keep doing and trying to learn new stuff and just go and do what we already know and mm. find your way and just practice it. Um, because real, I, I believe anyway, there's one universal truth and everyone's saying the same thing, but saying it different ways. Mm. So really you just got to get out there and find your own way. And, and obviously it's important to have inputs and uh, structures and models to, as a foundation, but at the end of the day, just get on and do it. Mm. On the other side, there is, I would uh, actually, if I really had the energy and time, I'd love to do psychology. Mm. Mm. And, and do more on that side of things. Because I think every, a lot of what we're doing and reading is, is psychology anyway, but it'd be lovely to go and get a formal qualification on that. I had the, I had the same thought. I had the same thought. I was toying with, um, I was toying with the idea of the the um, uh, the psycho psychology of coaching um, uh, degree at Sydney Uni, and uh, yeah, then uh, then we sort of fell pregnant, and I was like, you know what, probably not, probably not now, <laughs> maybe in a, a couple lot of years. work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was in the same. And to be honest, there's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of bias in our industry, like having a formal psychology qualification kind of um, some organizations really put a big tick in your box. And, and, you know, for some good reason, it's a, it's certainly a nice to have, but um, I, I know plenty of good coaches and, and, and great, you know, people in the world of leadership development who don't have a formal qualification. So there you go. Um, but uh, yeah, exactly. Say, say, saying that I would still like to do this. <laughs> I would still like to do that as well. Um Murray, any any parting thoughts or asks of the uh, ask of the audience? Yeah, I I think just give yourself the space to take a step back and pause and breathe and just acknowledge what you've done, how well you've done, and just keep breathing and and you know, give yourself the space to recover and, and reconnect with yourself. It's not, it sounds a bit glib and uh, I don't know, just a bit easy, but um, I think it's important. And, mm. and whether it be five minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, but just take that step back for yourself and look after yourself. That's great. Um, Murray, where can people find you if they, uh, if they feel compelled to, to reach out? Yep. They can find me on LinkedIn. Happy to connect there. Um, or they can contact me at Murray at MurrayWright.com. And if they want to find more about me and what I'm doing, uh, they'll find a website with podcasts, resources, self-coaching online courses at murrayright.com.au. 
great. Um, yeah, as I said at the top of the episode, highly recommend you check that out. You check out Murray's podcast. It's fantastic. And um, I will put links to all of that, of course, in the, uh, in the show notes so you can access all of uh, all of all of murray with a with a single click um murray thank you so much for taking the time to have a conversation today it's been uh, been a pleasure as always and um to all of you listening out there breathe look after yourself and uh be well thank you phil really enjoyed and that's it for another episode if you got value from that conversation, there are several ways you can support the show. You can tell a friend. That's the most direct and meaningful way. You can give us a rating or a comment on iTunes or Spotify. And if you're interested in engaging in a dialogue about anything you heard on the show today or anything else related to conscious leadership, coaching, facilitation, program design, uh, you can find me at philcross.net and all the links to relevant social media pages or my contact information you can find there. And finally, you can help by engaging with our sponsors. So this episode is brought to you by Gone Bush Adventures. And if you're on a mission to create more natural, enriching, meaningful professional development experiences and events for your leaders and teams, then Gone Bush Adventures are the people for you. With a team of experienced facilitators, presenters, nature guides, and learning consultants, they exist to walk alongside leaders and organizations towards a new vantage point of performance, culture, and well-being. And, you know, the, the ad read aside, one of the reasons why I'm proud to have Gone Bush as a sponsor is uh, I feel a real alignment with them, the work they do, the approach they take to uh, professional development and leadership development, and the setting they do it in as well. They uh, host retreats in you know some of Australia's most, most beautiful places. Uh, so if, if that sounds up your alley, um, go to gonebushadventures.com.au, uh, and if you uh, feel moved to engage them, just mention the podcast, because um, it's always nice to to get that kind of feedback okay until next time stay well